been thankful to, and pastor told me he's praying for me tonight, I appreciate it, the devil's been fighting me, tonight we're talking about Genesis 3, and of course talking about the devil, he don't like to be talked about, I think that's been uh, obvious from the week I've seen like the, the way the week is going, uh, I've been sick, so if you see me sniffling, in fact, does anybody have the box of Kleenexes near here, I'm going to keep it nearby, on the other side, alright, you, y'all don't, y'all don't think it's very pleasant for me to wipe it on the sleeve, <laughs> but uh, that's gross, yeah. Oh, me. But anyway, we're running like fury to get here from, from work. So if I start talking about, um, last thing I was in was an IT interview for, we were interviewing for the IT operations manager. So if I start talking about that, you'll know why. All right. Brother Hoyle's delusional. All right. All right, Genesis chapter 3, go ahead and get there, and um, we're going to begin tonight. Just can, We had left things off, as I've told you before, we've going through the series of Genesis. I, I do a lot better with a narrative sprinkled with application, and you guys get that in Sunday school, and of course, I carry that same format into what we do here. Uh, fits my study habits better, and, and it's, it's really, um, to me, it helps us bring us through the passage and, and see a lot within it, and, uh, and draw out. Uh, word for word as we go through there, and I'm um, just looking forward to it tonight. Uh, like I said, the devil has fought this week with its health and even, you know, different things, and you go, boy, uh, just thank thank the Lord that he's on the throne, and uh, saw some answer to prayer this week because of it, and, uh, you know, of course, sometimes we think, man, if he's fighting, you can't seem to, you know, he's just, he, you see how big he is sometimes, and then when you see God intervene, you see how big God is, and that is a huge blessing. So anyway, here we are, and let's go ahead and pray. We'll get started. Only Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for thy word, and Lord, we pray that as we come in here, uh, Lord, that we would set aside, uh, Lord, that which uh, uh, the cares of this world, things that uh, the day, Lord, help us to be able to focus and and, uh, Lord, write ourselves by the truth of thy word. And, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for our church family. And, uh, Lord, we do pray your blessing upon us now as we uh, enter in this time. Lord, we consider this uh, of utmost importance. And, Lord, we thank you for our pastor. Lord, we just pray for him as he's away. And, uh, Lord, for, for them as they go and, and, and have some time away, pray that they'd be encouraged. And, Lord, pray your help for them as and, and traveling mercies there. And, Lord, just pray your bless our time now as we meet together. Lord, may you be honored and glorified. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last time when we met together, uh, Genesis 3 uh, is where we're at. But the last time when we met together, we were in Genesis 2. And we focused on, in particular, we talked about the choice that God made for us. The ideal that God had placed for, for mankind. And when we think about Genesis chapter 2, and and look there, just, just up from chapter 3 there, um, it says that uh, in verse 24, it uh, finishes up talking about, you know, the just kind of a commentator note, commentator note there, that shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and there shall be one flesh. But then it says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife. And what does it say there? And they were not a what? A shame. God's ideal was, and, and his choice for man, was to put him in a place to enjoy uh, what he had provided. And 
it's, it's funny because as we look at chapter 3, there seems to be something missing, doesn't it? Um, but what else is there to say other than God created the best for mankind? And so as we look at this tonight and we begin, excuse me, man, I have some doors. Um, but as we look at this tonight and we begin to, to understand how that choice was perverted and how it was twisted and how it was changed, I hope it will challenge us as we look at this and understand our foe, first of all, and secondly, our opportunity as a believer and what we can be appreciative for and what God's provided for us. In chapter 3, as we look there, um, of course, you know, in verse 1, starts out, now the serpent, we're going to read down to verse 5 initially. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. And For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know, they had only known good, and as, as we end on that verse there just to start us out, and the devil was going to introduce them, the tempter, to, to evil. And, um, of course, we see here that uh, the serpent that's mentioned here um, is, is no other than what's in Revelation 12, 9. What is he called, what is he called there? Well, we know that's the, go, go over to Revelation 12, 9 real quick. You know, think about where we're brought to in this passage. And in, in Revelation 12, 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he casteth out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And we see there, you know, that's who is being talked about here. This serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field. And uh, the devil chose... A, a, a beast to possess and to, to use in communicating with Eve. You know, it's interesting that um, when we come to this, this passage here, Satan has already got a plan for, for mankind. And it tells you that preceding this verse, we don't know the amount of time that has taken place. But no doubt... Um, there has been opportunity, plenty of opportunity, for Adam to have been well instructed, for Eve to have received that instruction, because we can see her response here. And we see now that the serpent settles in, and he does recognize that he could not destroy man, but by only debauching him and, and putting him down in the sense of making him sin. Um, of course, you know, he... You know, he kind of follows that same, that same idea here that he employs with another famous character. If you go back over to Revelation chapter uh, 2 and verse 14. And here speaking to the churches here, of course, he says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast them 
Thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. You know, as you look here, this idea of Balaam and, and what he did, if you remember, what could he not do with the children of Israel? What was he supposed to be doing when he was going up against the children of Israel? He's supposed to pronounce a curse. Well, he wasn't allowed to do it. And, and it was so frustrating. And as they looked at this, they, they finally, he says, you know what? I know how to get them. You have to tempt them out. You have to draw them out. And so this is the game which he plays. He's from the beginning a murderer, the great mischief maker. And, of course, he's here to beguile. We see, first of all, it is certain that it was the devil that beguiled Eve. And he has not changed his game plan since. And for you and I, as we look at this tonight, that really is the challenge to us is to understand what the devil is using to draw and tempt us. What, what he is doing in, in providing the, the, you know, the choice that he wants us to take. Remember, God made a choice for us. And in chapters 1 and 2, that ideal, that's exactly the way God wanted it. And Satan now comes in and is going to pervert the choice. In fact, I was going to title this, it would be perversion of God's choice. And that's exactly what goes on here in chapter 3. And, of course, we see here that he, in the devil in the likeness of this serpent, um, it's a specious creature. It, it's, it's a beautiful creature, no doubt. In fact, go over to Isaiah chapter um, 14 and verse 29. Um, you know, this creature we, we don't know a lot about, uh, you know, exactly what this creature would have looked like. Um, one thing we know it didn't do was crawl around in its belly. Um, but in Isaiah 14 and verse 29, um, you know, one of the things one of the commentators pointed out was, you know, the Bible even speaks of, you know, uh, you think about this in verse 29, Rejoice not thou, whole Palestina, uh, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken, for out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. Um, serpents were always uh, very, uh, the, the picture of a serpent was always in, in this way. It was this, you know, powerful thing. And, and I'm, I'm looking at this thinking what this creature must have been like to Adam and Eve. Um, th this was a subtle creature. And, um, of course, you know, added that the devil's influences upon it, um, it is certainly wise to do evil. Think about what the devil was before his fall. He was an angel. Think about the sage wisdom of, of the angelic beings and it being perverted and twisted. Who does the devil serve? Well, he serves himself and his own interest by his subtlety. And what he's trying to do here in twisting things with Eve. Of course, the person tempted, we see, we see here the, the serpent, we see... Uh, the devil in, in that, in the likeness of the serpent. We see the person that was tempted was the woman. And um, what does he, who does he come to? He doesn't come to Adam. He approaches the woman uh, to assault the weaker vessel. And, uh, you know, as we look at this, he, he said unto the woman, and he's going to spend some time here. Um, you, you think about how perfect she was and how she's going to be approached. 
her, her, she, you know, we're not talking about her knowledge, her strength, or her presence of mind, but she's perfect in her, in her, in her spirit there. No doubt Adam would have had opportunity to teach and to work with her. And here she comes and is going to have a discourse with Satan, though. And as, as this happens, what we don't, what you're not told here is that she goes, this is Satan. She does not identify him as Satan. Who is she talking to? The serpent, right? Now, you and I say that is highly abnormal, and you'd be right. If you were walking outside and you began to talk to wildlife, it would be noted as strange, right? Um, Yet, are they living in abnormal times? Yeah, they're living in the Garden of Eden. And we know that they they had the ability to talk to God directly. No doubt into out of out of you know form of man, and you think about that she has this discourse, you know, with this serpent here. She is, you know, alone at this point. Now we know that at some point Adam's there because she gives the fruit to him, and um, you know, as we look at this, he he attacks her as the weaker vessel. She's here alone, and and then you know, thirdly, we see her near the forbidden tree. Um, you know, Proverbs 4.15 tells us to really what? Avoid it, pass not by it, get away from it. And here she is around. I mean, think about all the trees of the Garden of Eden, and that's the one place she is near. Um, you know, when, when you think about that, that, that piece there and, and that, you know, here it is. Of course, Satan sees her near it, and um, he also knows that he can get to who? Adam. And, uh, of course, did Satan do that with other people in the Bible? How about Job? Who did, who did he use with Job? You know, think about his wife, you know. His friends weren't much help either, but I, I was thinking about his wife, you know. She was a real comfort to him. Um, I think about, how about Christ and Peter? And um, so, you know, here he comes and he knows to get to Adam, he's going to work through Eve. And um, his plan is in place. How he's going to pervert the choice here. And so she is near this forbidden tree. She sees it. And then we see here the temptation itself. Um, of course, you know, as we think about this, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. And of course, you know, the Bible says that, um, you know, we, we're, we're in danger uh, of him. We know that. It says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices what are his devices satan artificially tries to manage situations and and put you in a place and here he is he's putting eve in a place um that will that will create temptation for her i think about balaam you know we go back to that balaam did he artificially create a temptation for the children of israel sure 
he sent the women of Moab over to the children of Israel. And you think about how you know, Satan thinks that way all the time. Ephesians 6.11 talks about his what? His wiles. And we recognize that, you know, uh, if you go over to Matthew 4, what is he doing there? You know, he is constantly, artificially creating these things. And, of course, um, as he does this, uh, he, he's very careful. He doesn't jump out there and say, listen, I got up a group of angels, and we fell. And this thing, we want you to join our gang. We have a big gang, and we'd like for you to join it. And if you'll do that and just shake your fist at God, just hate God. That is not the way he started his temptation. He is artificially creating a situation to where he paints the advantage to who? To her. He does not paint the advantage to himself. He is clear that the advantage is hers and hers alone. And we're going to see that here. And the first thing that he does, he, he asks her a question. And, you know, of course, as he, he goes into this, he, he says that, uh, he said unto a woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And, um, you know, as he asks this, as he begins to, to question and use this method with her, um, what's the first thing he does? He says, well, is it a sin or not to eat of the tree? You know, that's basically what this comes down to. Is this really forbidden fruit? Yea, hath God said, uh, you know, <laughs> you shall not eat. You know, you, you think about this. He, he is going to, he begins this question here, and he's like, you know what? I think I've heard something here. Um, hath God said, yeah, hath God said, you should not eat of every tree of the garden? And he begins to <clears throat> feel her out. And, you know, as I'm going through this, keep in mind that the temptation with which he worked with her, you know, the rule of first mention is here, where we see a very clear indication that, if this is the first time it's mentioned in the Bible, this is really, this is the design in which is employed all throughout history. You will find that with anything that when it's first mentioned. And right here, we're talking about temptation. We're talking about Satan's traps. We're talking about his devices. We're talking about his wiles. Everything about him and what he's doing here. And, you know, I think, I think for the believer, we need to understand that you know, as Satan tempts and he, and he works against the Lord's design and his will, he does not paint that advantage for himself. He paints your advantage and my advantage. And you say, wait a minute, I can see through most things. No, listen, if you could see it, it wouldn't work. Did you hear what I said? If you could see it, it wouldn't work. And that's what's going on here. He, he begins... To, to work her in such a way that she doesn't even see it. I think if she'd have walked up there and had identified him as Satan, it would have been clear. But I think she walked up there and gave him an ear, and he, he gave her a mouthful. He starts to go through this. And he begins to uh, quote this command almost as though that the command was a prohibition, not only of that tree, but of how many? 
of all of them. You know, he cha- he says, you know, God, God had said, of you know, every tree you may eat except one, but he goes and goes the opposite direction. And, um, you know, as we look here, a commentator said, the divine law cannot be reproached until it first be misrepresented. And so the first thing he starts out with is, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He is now beginning to construct the logic behind the temptation. And as he begins to do this and begins to weave it, he is, he is beginning to uh, uh, basically lure her out. And, 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 of course, she says here, as she goes into, into this, um, and the woman said unto the servant, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree in the, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And so he, he kind of he starts putting her in a position that she begins to think, have I held to a higher standard than what is expected? Have you ever thought about that in your life? Have you ever thought, have I drawn a line in my life that is a higher standard than what the law, than what the Bible says, right? There were, in this case, we're talking about you know, the laws, what we use as a reference there. But what the Bible says, have I drawn you know, a, a standard Maybe, and by the way, this is very clear what is said here. What is being said, I mean, there's no mistake in it. There is no mistake in that God said, you can't eat that tree, but you can eat of all these trees, you know. But now Satan begins to mess with that, and he he begins to make her feel like, you know, here it is, you're pretty nice, you're pretty cautious, Eve. But you're not living. You are not living. You are not enjoying the fullness of life. You are not really taking advantage of what 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 God. You know, here God's put you in a place that I don't think you understand. What God would would a good God say that to you? He's going to deny you something. And so he he begins to set that in motion with her. And, of course, we know that he's a liar. We know that he's a scoffer. But there again, who is she talking to? She's got to discern that. She's got to discern where this is headed. And, of course, we see here that, you know, uh, (laughs) God is considered unreasonable. As you begin to think about the logic that's employed here, that that this is unreasonable and... um, you know, that has been Satan's design is to paint the divine law as uncertain or unreasonable. Do we really know what God is saying in this passage? Do we really understand, you know, this is what Satan's saying. Do we really understand what he told? Do we really, do we grasp it yet? And we begin to, to struggle with these things. And I think as a believer, you know, if we're not careful, uh, we begin to start looking at things the same way. And by the way, we, we all sometimes wonder, am I, am I walking in an artificial zone that's been prepared for me and I'm just doing the things that I've always been told to do? You know? And you can do that. You can conform and walk on those things. And then I think at some point in your life, you start pulling it apart and looking at it going, is this right? And you begin to start to discern that. 
And, and I'm so burdened for young people particularly. By the way, it happens with adults. The, all of this applies the same. But particularly for young people who grow up in Christian homes. Here you sit in church. you go, th- And then you start to pull things apart. And you start to look at them. And I want to tell you something. That's when Satan begins to present this logic. He doesn't paint for you the wild side of life right away. That would be way too obvious. What does he do? He begins to break down some of these moral moorings that we have in our life, and it comes to understanding, am I holding, am I holding a standard in my life? Am I holding something that's, that's not you know, allowing me to live and be what I need to be uh, and, and to enjoy? And so he begins to work that. And uh, anyway, this is, he's, he's now got her down this path, and um, she gives him, um, you know, this, this discourse of, hey, by the way, what would have been the proper response potentially at this point? When you realize that, um, you know, as you get to this, this point, she tells him, uh, but of the tree of, of which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, what? Ye shall not surely die. Boom. Real clear, danger, the nuclear sign should come up, you should run, you know, get out of there. If, yes, you were caught being too close to it, but now there's fire. And now there's, da- there's real present danger. When, when Peter was talking with Christ, how did Christ uh, rebuke Peter? Boom, just that quick, deal with it. And I, and I look at this, and, and she is continuing to, to discourse with him through this whole point. And, um, you know, it's her wisdom, you know, it was her wisdom to take notice of the liberty God had granted them. And that was wisdom on her part. And she begins to, you, you look at that, she does the right thing in, 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 in one sense, the right thing would have been to identify that this is no longer a moral authority in their life, in her life. She needs to move away from this thing. And instead, you know, she did, and at the very beginning, she says, oh, no, no, wait a minute. But of the, um, you know, she says, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And, but before that, she had said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. No, no, wait a minute. God, God will let us eat of the, the trees and let us have those things. And um, so, you know, as we look at this, she begins to appreciate what? The liberties and the comforts of God's choice. Remember, and in, in up to chapter 2, what do we have? God's ideal, God's blessing, and God's best for, for his people. And I think about how God does that in a Christian home and protects and shelters and provides and nourishes the ideal. It's not perfect. It's not the Garden of Eden, only in our home. (laughs) It's not the Garden of Eden, but I can promise you this. If you're growing up in a home where, you know, they're staying biblical and doing what's right, what a blessing that is. That is God's ideal for you. And, and I look at this, and, and by the way, as we have those homes, you know, I kind of talk about it from the young people's standpoint, but how many men, you know, 
give up their home? How many mothers give up their home? And, and you think about that, it, you know, when here it is. God's blessed them with a Christian home, the ability to be in church, to be in a loving relationship, to mentor and teach their children, have their children listen. What a wonderful, I, that's the ideal. And yet it can all come down if we're not careful. And, you know, of course, at this point, uh, she faithfully repeats what she knows. Some commentators believe that when she says, lest you die, she's kind of adding some doubt there, and it's a possibility of death. We don't know what she meant completely there, but we do know that she identifies that God said you could die. And, God, and, and, and that is certainly, she had no other experience to know anything different. She just knows that a person eats that fruit, they die. How are they supposed to know completely, you know, what all that means? But, you know, they, they have been told, don't do it. And so here's where they're at. And, um, of course, secondly, of course, he denies what? That there's any danger in doing this. Ye shall not surely die. And, um, you know, of course, as he comes to this, Satan, he, he begins to shake that which he cannot what? Overthrow. He begins to shake at it and push at it and invalidate here the, the, this, whole, this whole idea of ye shall not surely die. That's the one thing he goes after. And young people and, and all of us alike, we have to realize that Satan will go after that one thing. He will find weaknesses and he will exploit them. And he begins to target ye shall not surely die. Experientially, has she ever experienced death before? No. He was bringing into question an experience she has never had. Okay? Pay attention to this. Because what, what's going to happen next is he's going to get her on something she has never experienced. Oh, she will experience it. And, and you think about the Christian home, and you think about the protections we have within our church, and then you find people who tear, they, they, all of a sudden they tear that down and they experience something they've never experienced before. You see, laying out before you, a lot of times when we begin to take things apart, we begin to look at them and we think, and Satan comes and tempts. It's taking us to experiences we've never had before. It's putting us in a place where Satan can say, you shall not surely die, and you can't argue completely experientially. I, I've had that. I, I've had conversations with with folks who live a certain lifestyle a certain way, and it's completely contrary to the Bible. But you know what they tell you? Oh no! Look, you, look, you would enjoy this. You listen. Uh, by the way, people on social drinking. I love having a little wine with my wife. You know that you hear them say that sometimes. You're thinking, and and, and you and you hear people begin to, to justify things and you go, what are you thinking? But see, the devil uses those things and begins to work through those things because he knows he's, he's, he can begin to attack where the wall is weakest. Ye shall not surely die. Think about it. He had broken the law of his creation and of course he found that he could not prosper in it. And then he tells them they shall not die. 
he's giving advice that he never took, right? In that sense, he or he's he, that he never profited from. Excuse me, he's taking advice that he never profited from. And young people, when we are tempted to sin, and we're tempted to dispatch, disobey an almighty, loving, holy Father, then we recognize Satan has he, he can't he cannot promise you anything in that temptation that's going to be good. It's all going to be bad. Um, go over to Deuteronomy chapter twenty nine. In verse 19. Actually, start in verse um, 18. And, of course, he's been talking about the idols of wood and stone, silver and gold. And he says, lest there should be among you a man or a woman or a family or a tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. Now, we'd all say, if I told you, if I told you tonight, I said, listen, I'm going to go out and I'm going to worship idols. That's what I'm going to do. Would you question my wisdom? Yeah, you would. You would question my wisdom. Would you question whether or not I was going to be successful? You would say, you know what, you're not going to be successful. But look what happens in verse 19 for this person that there's been spoken of. And it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he what? Bless himself where? In his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add what? Drunkenness to thirst. And that's how really silly it is. You, you think... <laughs> These are opposites. Drunkenness and thirst are in, in, in that sense. But you think about the, the person who says in the imagination of their heart, no, I have peace. And, you know, sometimes we wonder why um, the devil's worldly system that we see every day play out before us, where does it play out? It plays out in idealism. It's what man wishes things were without God. If you watch the TV, you know, news or whatever, and, they, and they're putting out the, the, you know, different things, you start listening. And by the way, if you took all of their, uh, the, the media's attention on what is the popular thing and what they'll say is the right thing, you say, no, it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. The things that they're saying don't work that way. Taking, taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor and, you know, what are you doing? That's stealing, you know, and. And, and, and no, it's 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 not a, a choice. You're you're killing a baby, and you and you start trying to rationalize those things. You know why? Because they have take. This is the devil's way. He uses the imagination, and and that's a whole nother sermon itself. When we talk about temptation here, but you know, you think about these imaginations. You have to fantasize something that you've never what experienced. You have to begin to fantasize that something's going to take place in a certain way, even though you really have no proof one way or the other. So here he comes 
And he is, this is what he's doing now. He is promising her in verse 5 this fantasy. In verse 5, he says, For God doth know that in the day ye thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Is that not fantasy? You know, as we look at this, you know, <laughs> he's not going to persuade them, like we said before, in ruining themselves, in the hazard of ruining themselves, but rather he's going to get them in this greater probability of bettering themselves. That's what he's trying to do. And he gives them some of these, he begins to insinuate some of these great improvements that he's going to give to them. Here they are, right? He, he, he tells them, listen, there's great intellectual delights and satisfactions. I, I can only imagine what Adam and Eve had at their resource. I mean, think about it, transmitted from God to Adam. You know, transmitted to them were the thoughts of God. I think about their relationship and having a personal relationship in that way in the garden. How could you have any greater intellectual experience than that? And, and by the way, people will tell you that people who are biblical are pretty much drones, you know, and they pretty much follow, and they treat it like a cult, and they treat it like it's, you know, it's done out of a, you know, that's why they call it, right, if you're, if, when you're trying to be biblical, they'll say it's Pharisaism, legalism, and, and those kind of things. You know, it, it's not these, you know, they, they, the idea of, hey, you know, uh, these intellectual delights and satisfactions, you know, they, they say, hey, look, there's, you can be so much smarter than that, you know. If you don't want to be biblical, biblical that seems to be the thing. Uh, but let's, let's really read into these passages things that aren't there. And, and that's what happens. And, of course, he tells them, you know, your eyes shall be open. And so the power of, and pleasure of contemplation like you've never had in your life before are now open to you. you. You'll be able to realize things like you've never been able to. Listen, you've been cooped up in that environment that you've been put in, and, and that thing is not the castle that you've been, you've been told. It is a prison to your soul. And if you can get out of that and free yourself, you will be so much better off. Hey, listen, when you do this, you will be self-sufficient. You will no longer be dependent upon, I mean, think about, think about how dependent they were in the Garden of Eden. Wasn't that awful? I would hate every day to, like, get up, and I would have all my hair in the garden, you know, and uh, it would be perfectly straight. And I'd go pluck bacon from tree. Okay, I would go pluck a fruit from a tree. I'd pluck things off the tree. There was a bacon tree somewhere. But, uh, you know, I would be able to eat from the garden. I'd be able to enjoy the garden, you know. But, you know, there is, there is certainly, uh, you know, you, you look at this. It, he starts to make the most absurd suggestions. And yet when the devil tempts us, if you really could look at it from the outside in, you'd have to say, that's nuts. I cannot believe, um, you know, when you see... Uh, men forfeit their families in sin. And you go, what were you doing? You had a blessing. 
you, you, you had, you know, at a Christian home, you had a, you, you're in church, you, you know, maybe you're a pastor and, and you start looking at this and it's these absurdities that Satan convinces. Listen, if it were obvious that it's Satan, if it were obvious that this was ruin, if it were obvious of these logical traps could be seen, then they would be figured out and in, in, in a different way. But what happens here is he has set this this stage here for them for her to to fail because he's he here he is giving counsel to her, and he tells her there, "You shall know good and evil, and it's interesting he takes the very things that are wrong and he makes them what he makes them right because the tree was as a practical application supposed to be a warning to stay away from it and to get away from it and instead he made it a door where he could say if you opened it you will now have experiential knowledge like you've never had before and i tell you if tonight if there's something that you're struggling with if there's a temptation there that is working you now, understand there should be a radiation sign over that thing that you know is that weak part of your life. That is so dangerous. The devil does not paint the danger. He paints the door. And he says, you go through. That is not only is that, not, it's, it's not the fact, that's, that's not only that it's not, you know, you, you, you can do this and be a part of this. That is not wrong. It's right. You go through it. And this world does that, doesn't it? it? It begins to moralize. See, he's now moralized the wrong position. And now he's got this thing turning and it's headed downhill for her. She is now logically, this whole thing has been questioned and now it's turning and now he's, he's giving her the doctrine. He's giving her the dogma. And he's teaching her, you are going down this path because this is, this is what's best for you. And when you walk through this, you're going to be so much better off. And, you know, he says, in the day ye eat thereof, you know, you'll find sudden and immediate change for the better. It's going to be so much better. And, and you think about this from Isaiah 14, uh, 14, you know, Satan, he ruined himself by desiring to be like what? The Most High. And as soon as he did that, did things get better? No. But what does he want them to do? Just like him, be as what? God's. I can be just like the Most High. He, here's, here's, the, here's the wicked, most wicked part of this, is experientially he knew what that choice brings. And yet he was willing to infect them with the same desire that they might be ruined too. He, of course, insinuates to them that God has no good design upon them. And he says, you know, as you look at this, that he's forbidding you fruit. He knows this will advance you. And therefore, in envy and ill will to you, he hath forbidden it. You cannot have this fruit because God knows. Listen, young people, if you had your independence and you had the ability to make some of these choices, then and you could do these things and, and your parents would lighten up a little bit. It would just be a lot easier, you know. And, and, and sometimes they do these things and they just do it to control you. And, and, and no, 
That is not that is not what's going on here. In fact, you know, as you look at this, what an affront to an almighty God to say that he what them? He fears them. Because that is essentially what he is saying here that God fears his creatures. He knows that if he gets figured out, then you're going to be just like him. And that stresses us to the point, we know that Satan stands today and accuses who? The brethren before who? Before who? Before, before, that's right, before God. Nobody ever talks about the fact that he accuses God before the brethren. You see, he comes to you and he says, let me tell you who God is. Satan wants to talk about God. He loves that subject. He wants you to know about that subject because he's got his version of it. And you have to be very careful. You see, a lot of times we picture him before God and misrepresenting, you know, what God, God's creation is and trying to pervert it and twist it and, you know, attacking Job and we see all that. And then, but you forget, hey, wait a minute, he's down here with me too, you know, and he's given me the earful about God. And we need to be very careful here that we understand that, that in opposition to him, we must always think well of God as the best good. Remember, in chapter 2, what ended? The ideal, the ideal environment for mankind in holiness and in a relationship with God, and we need to think ill of sin, the worst of its evils, and any, anything that is referenced from, from our Bible knowledge and from what we know, from what we're given in biblical guidance within the home and the church, then we understand that, that we have to resist the devil, and, of course, he will flee from us. And, of course, we see here in, in verse 6 that she comes to this point, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So now we see the inducements here that moved them to transgress. What moved them to this point of transgression? We've seen the serpent. We've seen here the, the, the one tempted in the woman. And now we see here, uh, this this whole move to transgress. And what, what happens here? She, first of all, she goes and says, when a woman saw that the tree was what? Next word, good. Ding, ding, ding. Now what we have done, we have taken bad off the tree, and we have now slapped a label on it and said, good. Okay? Good is now written on that tree for her. This has all been constructed. This has all been pulled together. And by the way, it is her choice, her choice completely, to rename that tree as good. You say it's good, and you know, it's good. To her, it's just that. This tree is not for me. No, this tree is for me, is what she said. And so it is good for food. So she takes away the harm in it. And there, there lies, she is now on this slippery slope. And, you know, of course, when there's 
when there can be no harm seen in going that far, then we know sin lieth at the door. And here it comes. Satan's going to carry the day in this. And of course, secondly, she saw no harm in the tree, but then secondly, she imagined more what? Virtue in this tree than any of the rest. Do you understand that? This tree now elevated itself above everything else in the garden. And when we are tempted, when we are tempted, that is what happens. It becomes the thing that we must have. It is the comfort to our soul. It must be reached for again and again and again. It can be the alcoholic. It can be the the pornography and perversion. It can be gambling. It can be whatever we want it to be. But whatever it is, you keep reaching for it again and again. You got to keep lying. You got to keep stealing. You got to keep doing. You you got to keep those things going because that's that's what's more virtuous than anything else. At some point, is that it's it, this is not to be dreaded, but this is to make one wise. This is excelling all the rest of the other trees. You know, I, I've got to I've got to do this and free myself from the bondage of where I've been. And, you know, that's the nice thing about it. Tonight, if you are going through temptation, just think about, what if, can you imagine, what if we could have said, no! Like, we were right there, right as this moment's happening. This verse is more important. When the woman saw, and you could just throw your body, doesn't everybody kind of want to do that right now? You just want to throw your body in between Eve and the tree. And I want to tell you tonight, you're sitting here and you look happy and you're listening. But when temptation can destroy you and forever change you, and it can do that to any of us, we are not immune to it. Right now, God is still allowing the. He, by the way, is God ignorant of this? And He knows each and every one of us and where we're at. And all of heaven wants to go, no! We see something, and that's where she's at. And we find virtue in it. I want it, you know? And so it excels all the other trees. Christ is the only tree desired to make one wise. And, you know, as we think about the steps of the transgression here, first of all, of course, it says that she saw um, a great deal of sin comes in through the eye gate. You see it. And um, even Job talked about that, you know. We, 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 when we look on things and we begin, it begins that danger of lusting after. And it's, as one commentator said, it's at these windows Satan throws his fiery darts. We begin the assault through the eye gate. And we see things going on. And we think, boy, I want to be a part of that. I want that. 
We see secondly that she what? She took. Did the, now, one thing we do not see here, we do not see the devil taking it and cramming it in her mouth. Correct? She took it. And by the way, when she took it, that was stealing. Because it wasn't hers. She took it. She was told it wasn't hers, and she stole it. And she took, like Achan did, of the accursed thing, taking which she had no right. And of course, as she takes this with no doubt the trembling hand, it says, she did eat. One commentator said, perhaps she did not intend when she looked to take, nor when she took to eat. But this was the result. All of those steps, seeing, taking, and eating, all of that, didn't intend for it to turn out that way. There's a lot of people who have seen the folly of sin and how it's destroyed lives and in temptation and understood. <laughs> I didn't intend to go that route. By the way, she's at a, tri- she's at a point now Where she was at when she met the serpent, she had no idea she'd be here. But where has he worked in? He's worked in her imagination, back to earlier when we talked about that. She has has now realized a fantasy that the devil wanted her to, to, he wanted her to try and imagine and realize what she was going to have. And she takes it and she eats it and then it doesn't stop there. It says that she what? She gave. That was nice. She shared, right? No, she gave. She gave also to her husband. And, you know, as he's here and, and, and she gives this to him and, and he sees this. Um, by the way, when, when, when sin takes place that way, it, People want you to share in that. And, and, the, and he, of course, it says lastly uh, in this progression, he did what? Eat. We know from Romans 5.19, his was complete what? Disobedience. We understand she was beguiled. She had been deceived. She had the logic that was employed with her and the way the devil did this was to deceive her it was still her choice but there was a deception and you know as we go through this chapter and we don't have time to finish it tonight but we will as we go through this chapter and talk about this we're going to talk about when i come back to this about the consequences of this transgression and what they find what what happens from all of this but, you know, as you look at Adam and where he's placed these things, he is now um, in a place where he makes little of this and he consumes this. For, and, by the way, all of humanity now is now condemned. And this, this choice will forever create this, it creates this, this it begins this war is what it's going to begin. And as we look at this and we talk about the consequences to come, uh, you know, 
as, as we've gone through it, the main thing I want to leave with you is that if God has given you the ideal, and I'd like to believe everyone sitting in this room tonight could say, you know what, God has given me the ideal. I've got a, I, I'm, I'm in a good church. I've got a good home. I've got, a, I've got, you know, I'm in a good place. You have an adversary that has got to find a way to ruin you and destroy you. And he is a roaring lion. And he seeks whom he may devour. He wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to do the things to forfeit that advantage, that ideal, and God's choice for your life. And we must be on guard and we must pay very close attention in our life every day of those things which we know are the things that Satan would target. And anything that disagrees with the word of God and with God's authority, we need to be very careful to tell Satan to get thee behind me and put it away. It is very dangerous. You are playing with something. She represented perfected humanity. She had a knowledge and an understanding that would way far surpass us, okay? In that sense, she had a comprehension that is in purity and in holiness. And here she is. She has now been crafted right down the place where the devil wants her. And then, of course, here's the, here's the ultimate thing, too. It never ends with us, does it? It's always she gay, you know. But what, what, it, I've seen that perpetuated as we think about temptation and we think about these things and, and the deceit that takes place. And, of course, as he commits this disobedience and, uh, and brings all of humanity now into this, we will now bring them, of course, to the, to the point of their consequence. So let's pray and we'll close out here and we'll uh, bring this up again the next time we get the opportunity.